So you want to read Tolkien? We're happy to have you with us. Join us as we work our way through the Silmarillion. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. Let's dig into this week's reading. For Middle Earth. (laughs) If I tried to pronounce every letter in this name, my tongue would fall out of my mouth. I mean, I am on my second giant glass of Prosecco right now. So... (laughs) Sally Ho! That's what Into the West means. Let's go home. (laughs) We're unqualified, but we have ideas. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to So You Want to Read Tolkien. Uh, This week, we are discussing Chapter 8 of The Silmarillion, uh, which is of the darkening of Valinor. We were originally going to do Chapter 8 and 9 in the same episode, but we felt that each chapter had quite a bit happening in it, so we're going to separate it out into two chap- into two episodes. Do we have anything else to say? You know, no, I just realized we didn't we didn't break it up. Who was who wants to do characters? <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand. I'll I'll do the recap if one of you wants to take chapter 8 characters. Okay. Um, so the characters that appear in chapter eight, um, we'll start with Manwe, right? He's the king of the Valar and also Varda's husband, um, who's the lady of the Valar. And then we have Melkor, who is uh, my favorite villain. He comes back at the end of the last chapter. He was lying in wait. He'd kind of disappeared after Feanor was like, get off my lawn. Um, and in this chapter, he makes a resurgence. We have Orome, who's the Lord of the Forests. He's the husband of Vanna, who was discovered, who discovered the elves, um, had come into the world. We have Tolkis, who is the Valar of Physical Strength. And the star of this chapter is a new villain called Ungoliant. If I'm pronouncing that right, I'm probably not, but she is a huge, awful spider with really, some really creepy descriptions happening. We also have um, our two glowing trees. We have Telperion, who is the tree of silver light, and he is slightly older than Laurelin, who is uh, the tree of golden light. Um, They're not really characters, but uh, they do play a very important role in this chapter. And then we have Feanor, Finway, Fingolfin, who were um, all introduced in the last chapter. They had their family squabble. Uh, Finway... I don't even know how to describe him. I've suddenly Finway blanked on... Finway was one of the ambassadors. He's the king of the Noldor. Right. He's the king of the Noldor, and he was the husband of the very first uh, person to die in this world. Um, and his son is Finway. No, his son is Feanor. Lord, you're going to have some trouble editing this section. <laughs> uh <laughs> His son is Feanor, who made the Silmarils in the last chapter. Um, Fingolfin was Finway's second child with a different wife after Meryl died. Um, And then that is everybody who showed up in Chapter 8. I think I got everybody. Anybody else was unimportant. Yeah, you've you've added some more notes, but they're, like, more relevant to the next chapter, so... Oh, you're right. (laughs) Okay, so I will take the recap. So, at the end of chapter 7, when Feanor, when he, you know, shut the door in Melkor's face, um, the Valar, of course, by then had realized that Melkor had been lying to everyone and was still evil. And so... Surprise, surprise. So they gave him chase, 
as it were. And Malkor pretty much laid a false trail for them and made them think he was going to head to Middle-earth. But he actually went south in Amman and found an old friend of his who I presume is sort of like a... Like, the book doesn't really go into the specifics of it, but I assume she was a Maiar, like like the Balrogs, and became an evil giant spider who is always hungry and weaves webs of darkness. And her name is Ungoliant. Um, if you've seen the Return of the King movie, she might sound similar in some ways to another spider, but imagine her being much bigger and... Bigger and even, like, ten times more evil and creepy. Yeah. And, I mean, we can get into the discussion. I mean, we can really get into the comparison of those two in, like, a year when we're reading The Two Towers, but it's... They are probably related. I don't think it's ever <laughs> stated outright, but uh, Shelob is definitely a descendant of Ungoliant. So Melkor uh, gets with Ungoliant and says, and basically hatches a deal with her and says, I will give you everything you could possibly eat if you help me with this thing. And so Ungoliant weaves webs of darkness and like actual, it's said later on in chapter nine, I think, that she belches darkness. And it's also described uh, later in this chapter, I believe, that the darkness that she cloaks them with is like a physical thing. It isn't just the lack of light. It's a piercing darkness that hurts your eyes to look at. And I think that is a very cool description, so I wanted to throw it in there. Um, so they shroud themselves in darkness, and they creep onto the big mountain that Manway lives on. Tanaquetel? Tanaquetel? Tana whatever? Tanaquetel. I don't know. I've spelled it terribly incorrectly. I've been calling it <laughs> <laughs> um, and We do yeah. what we want. And on that mountain, a festival is happening, like a harvest festival that everybody was invited to, including Feanor, even though he has been banished. Um, and Feanor goes, but his father Finway does not in protest of Feanor's banishment, which I thought was hilarious. Like, Feanor's like, yeah, whatever. But Finway's like, no, not until they unbanish you. <laughs> Um, it is noted that he does not bring the Silmarils with them, which I get the feeling that's like probably why he was invited. People wanted to see the Silmarils, and he was like, nah. Um, so... That was probably why he yeah. was invited. I think, isn't it, wasn't it stated that Manway, like, forced him to come? He was the... He was commanded, is the word yeah, that was Yeah, Feanor used. was the only one who was commanded Ooh, to correct. attend. And everybody else more or less got a choice. You are correct, I forgot, sorry. And then Feanor and Fingolfin, his half-brother, have a really good moment together that I love and is my favorite part in this whole book. But that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that later. And then Malkor shows up with his giant spider friend and Ungoliant stabs into the trees and <laughs> devours their life and the light and eats it. And then the trees die. And it's really sad. And this all happens in the space of, like, three sentences. <laughs> I know we've said it before that Tolkien writes ad nauseum about the things no one but him cares about, and then is like, two sentences on things that everybody's been waiting for, but, man, this chapter really did it. Yeah, I love this chapter. It's so good. There's some really great descriptions in it, I'm not gonna lie. Like, almost every sentence in this, in this chapter I could quote as, like, a really good sentence. Ungoliant sucked it up then, and going then from tree to tree, she set her black beak to their wounds. 
till they were drained, and the poison of death that was in her went into their tissue and withered them, root, branch, and leaf, and they died. I love that. Mm-hmm. So great. And the, the sentence after that is great, too. We could just, we should just recite this entire chapter for everyone, because, come on. Yeah, you should. This is some dark shit happening here. It's so good. Well, it's just, after so long, things are finally happening. Yay, plot is happening. <laughs> so yeah, the plot is great. And also, I really like one that I was sort of quoting earlier. Ungoliant belched forth black vapors as she drank and swelled to a shape so vast and hideous that Melkor was afraid. Ah, so good. So good. That's one hell of a spider. I also like this idea that God. all the elves were at a party and then somebody turned out the lights. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have that image, but yeah, they literally did. So as far as shifting toward discussion, mm-hmm. I would like to, even though we have a really awesome creepy spider to discuss, I want to bring forth the most important discussion that we've been having carrying through our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that the Valar do eat and drink. Yes, but it's we true. don't have alcohol directly mentioned. Nor do we have meat of any kind mentioned, only harvesting vegetables and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if they're vegetarian. Yep, it's just like, well, since they've been clothed in a vaguely humanoid form, they choose to eat and drink. And Yvonne's like, whatever, man, I'm going to invent seasons, basically. We don't have actual seasons, we're just going to sort of follow this vague path of something that we don't actually know exists. They eat and drink works and gather because... the fruits of Yavanna from the earth, which under Uryu they had made. That that line sounds very religious. It does. I mean, there have been a lot of religious overtures in here that like throw back to Christianity, but this is the first sort of homage to uh, actual religion for the characters mm-hmm. ever since Iluvatar left them. Yeah, it's strange. And also sort of harkens back to that idea that in this book... There isn't really a clear line of where myth ends and people start, if that makes sense. Like, what of this is an old story that the elves tell them? And what of this is, oh yeah, I knew Feanor. He was my buddy. <laughs> it is still sort of crazy that, you know, Galadriel basically can say that. Like, yeah, yeah. I was there, you know, Fan- when, when this stuff her happened. Uncle. That's weird, Feanor. Sorry, spoilers uncle. for the next chapter, but yeah, it's... <laughs> There are, in fact, characters still living that. I mean, really, here just for the one that we meet, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we can count Shelob <laughs> as a descendant <laughs> of Ungoliant. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, here's some spoilers, but we do see Ungoliant again in the book later on. Mm-hmm. And I do believe she has, like, daughters by that point. So one of them might be Shelob. I, I don't think they're named. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we still haven't officially made alcohol, but. We are feasting. That we know of. One would guess it's been implied. It's true. A lot of the logistical things are left to the imagination. Mm-hmm. A lot of the logistical. Something must sustain them besides light. Mm-hmm. Are they plants? Well, they must get their fruit from plants, but how those plants get their... I was going to say chlorofoam, but that's not correct. <laughs> Chlorophyll? No, I stopped science when I was in high um, school. Yeah, can they complete the Krebs cycle? <laughs> <laughs> Do they take the carbon dioxide and turn it into oxygen? 
I don't know anything about plants. Yep. Other than that they are vaguely good. No. Anyway, the Krebs cycle's the wrong one too. So what's what's that plant cycle? Let's move on from <laughs> from showcasing how not smart we are. <laughs> Whole point being, yes, let's not get too far into the question of how these plants can live if they're not getting sunlight. Tolkien was also very much not a uh, biologist. He did really like trees though. He did like trees. And then killed them. I meant in real life, but yeah. Yeah. And then, (laughs) but when the darkness had passed, it was too late. Melkor had gone whither he would, and his vengeance was achieved. Dang, son. My boy won! (laughs) He had to use a spider, which I'm not super proud of, but he did it! So I'm going to go back to sort of the festival bit before the trees are dead and talk about my favorite bit. Which is when Feanor and Fingolfin kind of make peace with each other. And... Do they? Well, I said kind of. (laughs) And I actually... Okay, to be fair, I have a lot of headcanons about Feanor in this chapter and the next chapter. So I am perhaps painting him in my head in a much better picture than the book does. But the book doesn't really give us any of his motivations or emotions. So I think a lot of his actions are up for interpretation. That'll come up more in the next chapter. It's really too bad that we read it and are not talking about it, but because we're going to keep referring to it now. But I really, really love when Fingolfin, um, you know, meets him and, you know, and they just sort of clear the air. And he says, you know, I release thee and remember no grievance. And then my favorite line in the entire gosh darn book is half brother in blood, full brother in heart will I be. Thou shalt lead, and I will follow. May no new grief divide us. I really like that, because Fingolfin is just a nice guy who wants some brothers. You know, he wants, he just wants to be family. And it's nice. It's It's a really nice line, but the one that caught me was the one right after it that says, you know, but they did not know the meaning that their words would bear, (laughs) which is just Tolkien coming back again being like, and some shit's gonna happen. It's the narrator... You know, going, but they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, that is Tolkien's favorite thing to do, basically. Yep. Like, something <laughs> good happened, but don't worry, everyone's still gonna die. Pretty much. And then I pretty much... And of course... Oh, you go. And pretty much we have this nice touching moment, and then it immediately transitions to, and in this time, evil spider. Yeah, see, that's another thing. Like, Feanor is not really given any chance to even try to reconcile they like promise to reconcile and then all the shit happens right away and that that is fair enough they don't really get to have a a chill brotherly moment and 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 i feel like i mean this is again with my whole thinking that feanor and and morgoth are actually very similar people like if if melkor i just refer to him as two different names in the same sentence whatever (laughs) um If he had Didn't just, like, not come back right then, you know what? Maybe they would have been able to talk. Maybe Fingolfin would have been able to calm Feanor down a bit and been like, maybe you don't have to, you know, think everybody is out to get you. Maybe Feanor just needed a hug. Maybe. But he's also been poisoned by these lies from Morgoth from previously and basically thinks all the Valar are out to get him and just want his Silmarils. Anyways, I have strong Feanor feelings. Yeah, I would say Ma- Manway did not do so solid here with, like, ordering him to come to this party. Like, you banish him and then order him to show up to this thing, for which reasons you may or may not just want to see the Silmarils. Yeah, like, he owns these holy objects that everybody wants to see, but 
doesn't yeah. let anybody. They just want to steal them from him. I, I think I feel about Manway how Emmy feels about Aluvatar. That's fair. Yeah, I can see. He that. learned at his father's knee. Okay, but I don't know. I feel like yeah, Feanor's being a dick, not bringing the Silmarils, but he's not wrong to be suspicious. But like Manway at least has essentially equals, you know, brothers and sisters who should temper him, mm-hmm. you know. Should, but do they? He's their king. Why? Literally, that's because the question. Because made it so. <laughs> but my thoughts on, on Manway are that he himself is very unsuspicious. Like, he never suspects people of having a dark meaning, so he doesn't see that people may suspect him of that either. You know what I mean? Like, he was very trusting of giving Melkor a second chance and being like, yeah, he's our brother. It's fine. And, and other people are like, I don't think this is a good idea, dude. Yeah. And that's why I say maybe they should um, say checks and balances of power are a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. How about a Valor democracy? Way less interesting story. Lots of talking and doing nothing. (laughs) So after the trees are, after the light is turned off at the party, which, I mean, there are still stars in the sky, but I guess their eyes would not be adjusted to that because they haven't had a moment without the light of the trees. In hundreds, possibly thousands of years. We don't really know how long it's been. That's true. There's no sense of time. I like I like the line, In that hour was made a darkness that seemed not lack, but a thing of being of its own, for it was indeed made by malice out of light, and it had power to pierce the eye and to enter heart and mind and strangle the very will. That sounds really terrifying. Yeah, it's really cool that it's called, like, the unlight, mm-hmm. where it's not just, like darkness as in the absence of light it is the antithesis of light and in everything of you know being blinded by the sun it's it's the inverse of that and it briefly mentions that the teleri who also did not come to the festival the teleri the elves with the boats who live by the shore that they could hear them crying out from miles away once the darkness sort of hit them Got these poor guys had no idea what's going on. Yeah. In the previous chapter, it was like Melkor didn't even bother really trying to go mess with them because he was like, they're hanging out on their island. What good is that? And all of a sudden, like, it's just they're just left in darkness all alone. Well, they're together, right? So I don't know about alone. But they're not at this party. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) They were very much excluded. Their FOMO was probably strong. They probably just were having their own festival. Like, fine, you guys, celebrate your fruit. We're going to have some fish. Some <laughs> actual tuna. Fair enough. Again, <laughs> are they eating animals? Uh, See, they should have traded so you could have tuna on the mountain of tuna. Tuna on tuna? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's hilarious. <laughs> C- come back next week for more uh, <laughs> super riveting discussion. Yep. And then I, I do like that... Uh, was it? It's uh, Tolkis and Orme chase after uh, Melkor and Ungoliant, but even they cannot pierce the darkness that she exudes around herself. So that is one powerful spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she brings shadows with yeah. her. And then they give up the chase, and Melkor and Ungoliant uh, escape. Yeah, I mean, I know it isn't necessarily intended as a compliment that it's like the female spider is always hungry. But I just love it. Like, you just go eat people. Go eat them all. I I think Ungoliant is very, very interesting, especially when in uh, compared with Shelob, 
um, which I know I'm getting like way the hell ahead of ourselves here. But if you'll recall, um, like Ungoliant is devouring this light and Shelob hates light and hides from it and like kicks it away from her and doesn't, does not want it at all. And I mean, I have more to say, but it's super spoilery. So I guess I won't, but <laughs> keep it to yourself. But your time is coming. Well, like in, in, in a year, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get to the two towers. I feel the need to say that, yes, She Love was in the Return of the King movie, but in the books, that bit is in The Two Towers. For anybody listening who hasn't read them, I'm not confusing the, the movies. Yes, we're going to have an interesting question of what we want to do with movie versus book timing in a year. But that's a future us problem. Yes. I love that, that not only does she belch darkness and eat light, but also her webs are blackness, too. Mm-hmm. There's like strings of dark. Wasn't that, that just sounds so badass. I hate spiders. Mm-hmm. It sounds terrifying. Oh, we do but... have an, an interesting note um, that Melkor, he puts on again the form that he had worn as the tyrant of Atumno, a dark lord, tall and terrible. And it's noted that in that form, he remained ever after. Mm-hmm. So we don't quite know why, but he ends up being stuck as sort of the evil figure you would imagine, and cannot turn into a cloud anymore. Or any other form, which, like, one of the reasons people trusted him last chapter was because he appeared pleasant and nice and probably looked Mm -hmm. like one of the Valar, not like an evil lord. So looks can go some ways into making people trust you, and he doesn't have that anymore. So we have an evil-looking spider and an evil-looking dark lord, and... Probably, if you saw any of them on a street late at night, you would not really want to be walking by them. No, there's some really good art of Ungoliant, and I will post some. Oh man, there's some really. Ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I'm gonna stop looking. Jesus, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Somebody gave her like hands on the end of her legs, and it was ooh, really creepy, ooh. and I didn't like it. Oh. I don't know why you went off to the internet to Google spider pictures anyway. Like, what made you think that was something you would enjoy? (laughs) I I do like some of the art of her, like, devouring the trees, but not so much the art of, like, creepy big spider. I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough balance. The one good thing that comes from this, though, is anytime you smush a spider, you can go, die, fell child of Ungoliant. Oh, very dramatically, and feel like you're doing something good for this world. I've never thought of that. Sure, sure, and I sure. I really like that. There you go. I, like, I mean, I try not to kill spiders because they eat mosquitoes and wasps, but I do hate them. Yeah, you can live, just not in my house. Yeah, they break that rule a lot, though. And those ones have chosen their fate. This is true. Oh, so I guess so. I mean, what do you think comes next light-wise? We had the lamps. We had the trees. What do you think they're going to replace them with? I hope we're finally going to get the sun. (laughs) The sun and the moon? That is indeed accurate. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) It doesn't happen for a couple chapters, but... I was going to say, we were on pace for, like, something ridiculous, like a glowing chicken next. (laughs) What? Okay, obviously we can discuss this more when we get to that chapter, but my favorite thought about the whole thing is being, like, one of the, the Quendi who don't know anything about Valinor, who literally were just like, no, we're not even going to try. And then one day, this big, bright yellow ball rises into the (laughs) sky out of nowhere. 
and you get no warning. Like, oh god, oh god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all gonna die. Exactly, you would think the world was ending. It's a little bit terrifying. I mean, it was in a way, philosophically. Guess, yeah. A whole new world is about to open up. A whole new world. That was uncomfortable. I should have seen that part coming. I was naive. Um, so I think that pretty much covers chapter eight. I think we're pretty good. Eleanor is now dark. I think that's it. We've got some brothers. We've got some darkness. We got some creepy spiders. Tune in next week for shit goes down. Yeah. Nah. All right. Have an I'll have an actual sign off. I did first just want to throw out a quick thank you or a quick I don't know call it I don't know to everybody who's talked with me on Twitter about Tolkien and the Silmarillion because I'm a big nerd and I love that stuff. But thank you, everybody on Twitter, who's been chatting with me about all my nerd things. I appreciate it a lot. Yay. Thanks, Twitter. Twitter's the best. It is. That's like where we became friends. Mm-hmm. So crazy. So if anybody else wants to join in on any Twitter discussion, you can follow us at... At to read Tolkien. Thank you, Rachel. Or you can email us at youwanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. And with that, I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I'm Emmy. And we will see you next time for chapter nine, which is... Oh, I almost said... (laughs) Sorry. I scrolled up to our recap of it and almost just said chapter nine, Feanor is a douchebag. (laughs) (laughs) Also true. (laughs) So yes, join us next week for chapter nine, The Flight of the Noldor. Bye. Bye.